This morning, um, I'm, going to, uh, inter- I'm going to interrupt our, 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 our series that we've been having on prayer. We're going, to come to, we're going to come back to prayer because that, I believe, is going to be the thrust for 2018, at least the beginning of it, as we continue to press into prayer. How do we pray? And we're focusing on the Lord's Prayer. Now, that's an obvious thing to focus in on. Why is that obvious? Because Jesus said it. Because Jesus said, pray like this. And he taught us how to pray. And so we've been learning about the Lord's Prayer. And if you've missed the last few weeks, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the sermons from the last two weeks. They're online. And listen to how we pray. And how we're going to continue to learn how to pray. And we're going to learn how to press in in prayer. And we're going to become effectual, fervent prayer warriors and the prayers of the righteous, the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous man does what? Availeth much. Now, do you want much? Then pray as a righteous person. Well, I should, let me say it this way. Be a righteous person and pray fervently. Be a righteous person and pray fervently, and that prayer availeth much. So we're going to, be keep, we're going to keep talking about that. But today... I want to talk about, um, and, I'm pressing, and, and I'm titling the sermon, Pressing Ahead in 2018. Pressing Ahead in 2018. The end of a year, which this is, the 31st of December, um, is always an opportunity for us to evaluate where we've been and then look to where we want to go and to use this as a time of um, looking backwards a little bit and then looking forward a little bit. And these can be hard activities, they can be painful activities, or they can be really fun activities, or they can be a combination of both. Because we've all had some really good things happen in 2017, and maybe some of us have had some really hard things happen in 2017. In any regard, in every situation, whether good or bad, ugly or pretty, hard or easy, it was only a season of time. It was only a season of time. 2017 is gone. And we're still here. We're still here. We made it. Congratulations. You made it through 2017. Amen. That's a good thing. Nothing on earth here lasts forever. Our temporal situations and conditions are here today and they're gone tomorrow. Good or bad. (laughs) Sometimes I want the good to last longer, like our praise and worship today. I wanted that to last a lot longer. But it's a time of season, and and we'll have it again. We'll we'll get there again. But time moves on. The driving theme in this church, in this ministry, is to make our focus on eternity while we're doing the best to live out our temporal life in this world. I mean, that's the theme. If you go back and and study and, and probably evaluate the, the messages and the theme of my teaching over the past, since I've been here, 2009, it's been focused on a target, on a target of, of, of heaven as our focus and what we have to do on earth to not just get there, but to get there and take it by storm. But to get there and to, be, to, to have a homecoming when we get there. See, it, it, I want to live my life here so that I'm so close to my Father in heaven here that when I get to heaven and finally see him, it's not like a surprise. It's like, oh, that's what you look like. I've been talking to you all these years, and now I finally get to see. I finally get to put a face to a name. And I'm I'm home. And I want it to be a homecoming experience. I don't want it to be a surprise birthday party. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) I'm surprised you made it. <laughs> no, I want it to be a homecoming. I, I want to be a, so intense here and so effective here and so much about relationship here that when I get to heaven, I'm finally home. What a peaceful time that's going to be. So I am no way, no way minimizing the importance of living in this life when I talk like that. Because truly, if I'm going to have an effectual and effective Eternity, I must have a relevant life on earth. To be heavenly effective, I must be earthly relevant. To be heavenly effective, I must be earthly relevant. I must be able to relate to people. 
I must be able to relate to situations. I must be able to relate to what's happening here so that I can be effective here so that I can have a more effective eternity. And if we do this well, we will find our life to be not only more productive here, but it will be with less frustration. I would like to say zero frustration, but that's not possible. I would like to think I could never be frustrated. I would like to think that I can never be disappointed. I would like to think that my life is going to be happy and joyful all the time, but that's not reality. But I do know that as I do this well in this life, that I will have the greatest reward possible laid up for heaven for me that will be forever, that I will never have a frustration. I will never have a disappointment. I will never be let down, or I will never let anyone else down when I get there if I do this well here. So I have work to do. We have work to do while we're here. And if we can realize that we're living in a temporary world by definition, then that should help us to want to know how we should be spending these days here to make our eternity that much better. This is not our home. We are a pilgrim passing through. It's important that I'm doing the things here, but this is not all that there is. The writer of Psalms, in this particular passage is Moses, is writing to us in Psalms chapter 90. Psalms chapter 90, the first 12 verses, and I'm reading this out of the Living Bible translation. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. Listen to this. Moses says, through all the generations, you have been our home. He understands that this world is not the place where he's going to spend his eternity. In some translations, it's a dwelling place. Either way, it's indicating that our time on earth is temporary. Our time on earth is not eternal. My spirit man is eternal. But the problems of this world are not eternal. And then he goes on in verse 2. Before the mountains were created, before the earth was formed, you were God without beginning or end. You speak and man turns back to dust. A thousand years are but as a day to you, or as yes, let me start over. A thousand years are but as yesterday to you. They are like a single hour. We glide along the tides of time as swiftly as a racing river and vanish as quickly as a dream. We are like grass that is green in the morning but mowed down and withered before the evening shadows fall. We die beneath your anger. We are overwhelmed by your wrath. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and see them all. No wonder the years are long and heavy here beneath your wrath. All our days are filled with sighing. Seventy years are given us, and some may even live to eighty. But even the best of these years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear, and we are gone. Who can realize the terrors of your anger? Which of us can fear you as he should? Verse 12. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Now, this passage may seem a negative way to make a positive point <laughs> because he was saying some pretty hard things. But the point that he's saying here is that God is eternal and his mercies and his judgments are just. And what we do in our limited number of days here will be accounted for. So Moses is asking God, the eternal source of all things, to teach us how to spend our days here as we should, in order so that we can enjoy the eternal glory of heaven with him. Yeah. Powerful request. Be careful what you ask for. God just might give you some things to do. So what does this mean to us? How do we take this and bring it to our life? Well, certainly, Moses is someone that we should listen to. I mean, never mind the fact that the Holy Spirit is inspiring these words. These are not just Moses' words. The Holy Spirit has inspired Moses to say these things. But even without that, Moses has a man and the experiences of his life are worth listening to. 
I mean, Moses lived in the luxury as the prince of Egypt for 40 years. I mean, he was the highest of the high in Egypt. And then he lived in the desert as a shepherd for another 40 years. I mean, living in the lowest of the low. <laughs> Been through it all. And then after that, God says, hey, Moses, I got something else for you to do when you're 80 years old. Come here, I got something else. Now are you going to lead my people? You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. So come on, we got some things to do. And Moses is saying, hey, I'm an old man. Leave me alone. Seriously. Moses didn't step up. Moses didn't volunteer for the position. And you know what? So many times God gives us positions we don't volunteer for. But he's prepared us to do them. He's put things in your life over the years of your life to prepare you to do what he's calling you to do. And it wasn't your idea. So get ready. Get ready. Because God is going to call you to do something that he's going to empower you to do. He didn't give Moses. Moses didn't do this on his own, by the way. So Moses then goes into the call of the Lord to go back to Egypt and to do all the miracles and to be a part of all the delivering of all that. And you know the story. You've read it. You've watched it on TV. You've seen the Old Testament or the, the Ten Commandments. You, you know the story. So let's listen to Moses. He's got some good things for us to say. He has seen the hand of God move in mighty ways. He understands the power of God's grace and he also understands the power of God's wrath. He has seen God destroy as much as he has seen God save. He understands God's justice. He understands that God gives us wise counsel and it is wise that we ask the Lord to teach us how to live our days. And that's what we're doing today. Pressing in in 2018. So let's look at our text for the day. That was just the introduction. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul is speaking here. He's writing his letter to the church in Philippi. And he says this, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're just opening our hearts now and asking you to give us some revelation knowledge as to what you would have us do in 2018, thanking you, obviously, for the, for the successes and the failures, the life lessons of 2017. We thank you that you've allowed those things to make us stronger and not weaker, that you are using those things to make our 2018 and beyond to be more effective for you. So be with us now and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. As Paul was writing this letter, recognize that he had a very close and affectionate relationship with this church in Philippi. He was writing this letter from a Roman prison. He was in prison writing this letter to this church that he had visited two or three times in the past, and he had a good relationship with them. And he was doing so to encourage them that life is more than what can be seen by present situations. Life is more than what it seems by what I see today. Sometimes I see really good things. And sometimes I'm really just happy in my circumstances. And sometimes I see things that are just not really good. And I'm really frustrated. And I'm concerned. And I'm fearful. And I have legitimate issues. Paul is saying here, as I continue in my walk with God, have faith. Hang on. God's got this. So Paul, like Moses, has a vast background of godly experiences to help him understand the awesome power of God. And he is encouraging his faithful readers. And he's encouraging us today as the faithful church to keep pressing in, to put our energies moving forward, forgetting the past, moving forward into what God has for us, into a greater future. See, if God has been faithful looking backward, you can be assured 
that he is more able to be faithful moving forward. If God was faithful looking backward, then be assured that he is even more able to be faithful moving forward. That's the God we serve. He is not limited at all by his resources. So Paul is talking to us about how to encourage us this way. So let's look at this verse. Go back to verse 12. You might want to throw that verse back up, Larry, because we're going to probably just stay here for a while. It's verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul is talking about gaining more and more for the kingdom of God in his own life. He's indicating that there's more for him to attain. He's already accomplished much, though he will look at that as, as, as rags and, 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 and not a whole lot because he will, he's a humble man, but yet... Looking at his life, God has done much through Paul. But there's so much more. And Paul is trying to encourage us that if Christ conquered death through his resurrection, then he certainly can be trusted with our resurrection. I mean, if Christ could raise himself, he can certainly raise me and he can raise you. So recognizing this very important point, Paul also realized that he had so much more to gain by living for Christ and continuing to learn of him. He, hadn't, he hasn't arrived. So I want to look at the methodology here of how is Paul striving for the future. That's what I want to spend the time the rest of the day. How does he strive for the future? Verse 13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul basically is saying here, guys, I haven't arrived. <laughs> I'm still on the journey. I don't have it all figured out yet. There is so much more that I have to learn. Likewise, even though there are some of us here today that are more senior in their belief and their spiritual maturity than some others, there is always more for us to learn as well. We're on the same journey that Paul's on. We can very easily get to the point in our thinking sometimes that we kind of have it figured out. Been around that block once or twice. I have that t-shirt and I really don't need some young whippersnapper to tell me something. But that's not a teachable spirit. There's an element of pride in that spirit. And that obviously is not pleasing to the Lord. So we need to put on the garment of humbleness, humility, and keep that teachable spirit here because none of us have arrived. As long as we have breath in our lungs, there is more for us to learn and there is more for us to glean from God's word and also from his teachings. So with this recognition, what does he do? Okay, let's look at verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So he starts off by forgetting what is behind. Do you think he really means that? Do you really think that he means that he's going to forget the past? How, how, how do we do that? Can we? Can you forget what happened yesterday? <laughs> I forget a lot of things that I'm probably not supposed to forget. Ask my wife. <laughs> but yet I have a hard time forgetting the past. In fact, aren't we supposed to learn from the past? Aren't we supposed to learn from our experiences? So there is a little bit of a question here. So what does he mean? How do we do that? How do we forget the past? What, do we suppose, what, what are we supposed to be forgetting about in our past? Well, our past can be both good and bad. And in either, in, in either condition, there is something that we should and shouldn't dwell upon. We all know people that have a tendency to live in the past. We all know people that all want to talk about the good old days all the time. Oh, in the good old days, it was so good. It was so easy. It was so much easier. We didn't have all this stuff going on. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have text messages. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have all this. Yeah, well, you still had gossip. And you still had a lot of backbiting. You had the old party line where... Somebody to get on the phone and, and the neighbor down there, Sister Sue, was picking up listening to your word. And she sees, we had, it was Twitter. <laughs> it was just a little different form, that's all. Yeah, it was just Twittered one at a time, maybe. 
Or else we have the person that wants to live in their old glory days. Hey, I, I, I was a pretty good athlete. I was a pretty good quarterback. I mean, some of those people that knew me when I was in high school, Pam, you knew me. I was a pretty good quarterback, wasn't I? See? I could live in my glory days. Lane, you were the enemy. You were in Harbor Springs. By, by the way, Lane was an awesome basketball player. Yeah, there wasn't many that could keep up with Lane on the basketball court. He was awesome. The glory days. I tell you, we can spend a lot of time there, and it's kind of fun. I'm just glad we didn't have video cameras then, because if I really saw how bad I was, I, in my mind, the passes were awesome. In my mind, I was really fast. But if I could see it again right now, I would say, you, are you running in mud? Yeah. So anyway, the past is the past, and it's meant to stay in the past. It's not meant to keep creeping up into our lives in the future, good or bad. When a person dwells in the past, it's like they have a ball and chain fastened to their ankle. Everywhere they go, they have to drag that ball of the past with them. And that limits them from going to newer heights and accomplishing newer victories because they're always pulling the past with them. And, the guy, and Paul is saying, forget the past. Forget it. And we're going to talk about why to forget it in a minute, but forget it. Move on. See, the problem is that if I'm living in the past and if I'm pulling that ball and chain with me, I may not see it. I may have the effect of it. It, it may impact my life, but most of the time other people see it. And they're saying, Mike, why don't you forget about it? Why don't you get rid of that ball and chain? And I'm saying, what ball and chain? The one that's making you walk like the limp. If you get rid of it, you can walk right. See, they see it, but I don't always see it that way. I just use it as a way to say, oh, that's just who I am. And they're saying, get rid of it. Paul is saying, forget the past. See, it, it's easier sometimes for me to blame others than to take responsibility for myself. And so if I hold on to the past that way, I want to blame people for my failures. You know, I would have been a better quarterback if my dad would have let me go on the Michigan State football camp two years in a row. Yeah, it's my dad's fault. Yeah. See, we can get into that blame game really fast, and all of a sudden, rather than taking responsibility and saying, no, I wasn't as good as I thought I was, I'm blaming people for my problems. And, and, and other people see that. Believe me, when you live in the past, people know you're living in the past by the way you talk. Nobody likes to be around a person that is always either berating themselves or over-embellishing themselves. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to let the past be the past. We have tendencies. We have grudges. We have offenses. We have non-forgiveness. All these things are, are, are obviously obvious to the outside observer. And the thing is about these old trespasses, these old things that we won't let go, they become a noose around our neck. And the tighter the noose is, the harder it is to get it off. You know, time doesn't heal all things. Time doesn't heal all things. That's why we need to actively take the noose off. We need to actively be a part of releasing the past. That's why the Lord's Prayer says this. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's why Jesus taught us that way, to forgive and release. So forgetting the past means we forget the good and the bad. We can learn the lessons, but let's not dwell on the experiences. So how does Paul look at the future? Verse 13, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul sees the future as something, point two, Paul seems to, sees the future as something that takes effort to attain. We're straining ahead. Straining, effort, intentional effort. It's easy to fall backwards, but I'm straining to get ahead. 
It takes an active effort to move from the past into the future if your future is going to be different from your past. It takes an active effort to move into the future if you want your future to be different than your past. Otherwise, you're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes, repeating the same habits. It takes effort to break a habit. It takes effort to move out of an old mindset. It takes effort, intentional effort. The act of straining forward, it reminds me, I had a good example of this when I was um, in college. And I was down in Texas for a couple of years. And I had an opportunity to to, um, work at Johnson Space Center um, on the space shuttle program when I was a student at the University of Houston. So I spent six months there. And so I was um, intrigued with the space industry. And you know, what's interesting about space is that you, we, we all, most of us here are old enough to remember the moon landings and the moon rockets and the Apollos rockets. Big, big rocket ships. I mean, if you were to, has anybody ever seen it? Everybody stand, stood next to the real one, the replica down there? It is huge. I mean, it is so big that the building down there at um, Cape Canaveral, it is so big where they build this rocket that the building is so big that it creates its own weather pattern in the building. If they don't keep the air circulating, there will clouds will form and it will rain in the building. It's that big. It's a pretty interesting point, isn't it? All right. It took something that big and that powerful to break away from gravi- Earth's gravitational pull so that that little ship on the top of that rocket with those three men in it could then make it all the way to the moon. So once that rocket took off, it took all that effort to break out of the bonds of gravitational pull of this earth. And then once it broke free from that, once it was outside of earth's gravitational pull, they just shot that little lunar module off it. And then it didn't have any more rockets and it coasted all the way to the moon at like 14,000 miles an hour or something like that. It had little rockets on it to adjust its trajectory a little bit to correct its angles, but it had to take that much effort to get out of the past. And sometimes it takes that much effort for us to get out of our past that we need to strap on the rocket boosters here and really put a lot of effort into forgetting the past so we can strain on to the future. It seems kind of strange that some people would rather stay in the past because they're comfortable in it rather than put the effort forward to break free from the bonds of the past. See, the future is unknown to us. The future is unknown. And and we know the past and, and we know the present, but I don't know tomorrow. And that might be a scary thing. And so we naturally have a fear of the unknown. And because of that, it may be easier and more comforting for us to stay with what we know even if it's painful. And one reason that we fear the unknown future is that we imagine it to be so many times much worse than it actually is. Most of the time your biggest fears about tomorrow, when you get to tomorrow, it's not as big as you thought it was going to be. You know what I'm talking about? It's really not as bad as you thought, but yet you had a great fear today of what tomorrow was going to hold. And when you get to tomorrow, eh, it wasn't that bad. What was I afraid about? See, if we're prone to be a worrier, then this is a really big issue for us because we can worry our way into stress-related health issues and all kinds of other situations that when the future actually gets here, it isn't as bad as we imagined, but yet we've caused it to get worse because we worry about it so much. What The Bible says something about something like, Can any of us add a day to our life by worrying? No, actually the worrying takes a day away from us because it puts stress on our body and our our hearts and we we lose life, not gain life, by worrying. I heard a saying one time that the reason many people fear the future is because they don't keep Christ in it. The reason that many people fear the future is they don't keep Christ in their future. Doesn't it seem a little strange that maybe we can say that we can trust God for our heavenly existence of eternity, but I can't trust him for tomorrow. (laughs) I can trust God to take care of me forever and ever and ever in heaven, 
but I have a hard time trusting him that he's going to take care of me next week. What are we thinking? How does that make sense? Let me give us a little clue about how we should look at this. If we can appreciate the future in God's perspective, it is no different for him than the past or the present because God is outside of time. God is not impacted by time like we are. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, all wrapped up together. And time truly is something that is neutral. Time is not something that makes rights wrong or wrongs right. Time in itself is neutral. Like money is neutral. Like a gun is neutral. Those things do not kill, nor do they make us greedy. They're just things that in our use of them can make them killers or make us greedy. But time, money, guns, those things are just neutral things. It's how we use them. It's how we apply them. Martin Luther wrote this little segment here in 1963 when he was in a Birmingham jail um, for marching against the injustice of racial, racial segregation. And he says this, It is the strangely irrational notion that there is something in the very flow of time that will inevitably cure all ills. Actually, time is neutral. It can be used either destructively or constructively. We must come to see that human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and persistent work of men willing to be co-workers with God. We must use this time creatively and forever realize that the time is always ripe to do right. Insightful words. God gives us the choice how to use our time. And that's what Moses was asking for. God, how do we use our days while we have them? How do we use them? God gives us the choice to use our time constructively or destructively. His perspective is outside of time. He created time, but yet he's not subject to it. And we can know that he is in control of it. This can give us great assurance. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Romans chapter 8, 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Time. God, I put my hope and my, my assurance in him who created time. And then... I love Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then continuing on, and let's read more of eight, chapter, Romans chapter 8, 29 through 32. It says, For from the very beginning of God decided that those who came to him and all along he knew who would should become like his son, so that his son would be the first with many brothers. That's what we are. We're a brother of Christ. We're in the family of God. Verse 30, And having chosen us, he called us to come to him. And when we came, or when we answered the call, he declared us not guilty, filled us with Christ's goodness, gave us right standing with himself, and promised us his glory. What can we ever say to such wonderful things as these? If God is on our side, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also surely give us everything else? Wow, this is a promise that we can take into 2018 and beyond. That we can stop worrying about that. Our worrying doesn't impress God, by the way. That doesn't show him that we're that much more in tune with what's going on because we worry. In fact, I think that's an insult to God. He's saying, guys, you don't trust me, do you? You don't trust me because you've got to worry about it. I got this. Can we trust God? Truly, can we trust Jesus? See, if we can keep Jesus in our future, then why should we fear it? 
If I know that Jesus has a plan already and he already knows what the future is, then why should I fear it as long as I'm walking with him? The key thing is that I stay walking with him. Did you hear me? The key thing is that I stay walking with him. When I stay in step with him, rest assured he has my future secured. It's when I stop walking with him. It's when I get in my own way. It's that I, I want to do it my way. Well, now I better watch out. Because now I could be walking off a cliff. But when I'm walking with him, when I'm in step with the Holy Spirit and I'm walking with him, he's not going to let me walk off a cliff. He's got me. Now, I may fall down and tumble a little bit, but that's probably because he's going to train me for something bigger later on. Trust. Because God was able to carry you through your past, therefore rest assured that God will get you through your future and it doesn't have to be the same as your past. Know that forgetting your past means you don't have to repeat it. Know that God's got so much more for you, so much better for you if you will just stay with him. So the question is, do you want your future to be different than your past or do you just want to continue down the path you're on? See, the question is us. God gives us answers by asking us questions. He gives us the answer to say, what do you want? Do you want your past to control your future? Or do you want to be released from your past to have a new future? It's my choice. It's your choice. Positive change takes work, effort, and a conscious choice. Just like that spaceship takes effort, work, and a conscious choice. Making changes that are improvements don't happen by themselves. It takes work. See, the only thing that moves automatically is something that's falling. The only thing that moves automatically is something that's falling. The laws of gravity never fail. If something begins to roll down a hill, it will continue to roll until something bigger than itself stops it. Or enough friction eventually will slow it down. But something has to, there has to be an action against it. Something by itself will only happen automatically if it's falling. Gravity. Isn't it interesting that heaven and hell are in opposite directions? Heaven is always up and hell is always down. Nobody's ever said I'm going down to heaven or I'm going up to hell. No, I, I'm going up to heaven and I'm going down to hell. Why? Because our natural default is hell. Because that's where I'm going to fall naturally. I'm not going to fall into heaven. I'm going to attain heaven through a choice that's going to make me make a different choice. But if I don't make the choice, my natural, definite, my natural default position is falling into hell. See, we say it, but do we realize it? Has it really gotten up from our heads to our hearts? One thing I know is that time never stops, and it respects no one. Time never stops, and it is no respecter of persons. It moves on, good or bad. Therefore, the only choice we have is to what am I going to do with it? I can't stop it. I can't speed it up. When you try to speed it up, bad things happen. When I try to speed it up, when I try to wish my way through something, or even worse, I hurt myself to get through something, not good. Not good. The choice is, how are we going to use this neutral thing called time? Are we going to use it constructively? Or are we going to use it destructively? Continuing on in our text, Philippians three fourteen says, Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. I strived to get to the future. Now I press on. I keep working. I press on to win the goal, the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Paul is looking beyond the temporary successes and the temporary failures of this world to an eternal world that will never fail. Jackie, would you come? You see, Paul lived a life of vision, and his vision was heaven. 
Paul lived a life looking forward. You know, and that's what I want to do. I want to live a life with my eyes on heaven. I want to live my, I want to live my life here with that anticipation of what it means to get to heaven. Paul already had a visit to heaven. Did you know that? Paul already had a visit there. And he sees it to be worth all the effort of life to attain it to its fullest. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 12, verse 4, says Paul, or this person, which was Paul, was caught up to paradise and he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Paul saw heaven for all of its glory and he couldn't even begin to put it into appreciation for what it meant and he couldn't speak it. But yet he saw enough to know that it was, every, it was worth giving up everything in this world to press on to the goal of heaven. And you know, guys, that's what I want. For me, my wife, my family, for this church, I want us to see that whatever we have here, nothing is worth comparing, nothing is worth compromising, nothing is worth giving up my view, perspective of getting to heaven. And I don't mean that just so that I can rest in the shores of heaven, but I mean that I can be productive in heaven. That means that I can have responsibilities in heaven. That when I get there, God says, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I'm so glad you're here because I got things for you to do. I want that. I want to go that way. It's a goal for us. Can we see it as a goal for this church? My Bible commentary says this. Such determination is necessary for all of us. Throughout our lives, all kinds of distractions and temptations will, such as life's worries, riches, and evil desires, threaten to choke off our commitment to Christ. But we must not take our eyes off the prize of being with Jesus forever. That means forgetting what is behind, including the corrupt world and our old life of sin, and straining toward what is ahead, our final salvation in Christ. Forgetting what is behind requires letting go of both good and bad experiences. We must not dwell on our past fears, difficulties, and failures, allowing Satan to frustrate or overwhelm us. Christ has freed us from all of that. What matters most is what is ahead in regard to Christ's purposes for us and our final and priceless reward with him in eternal heaven. Amen. What is your goal for 2018? Let's take it by storm. Let's pray about it. And let's agree with the prophet Jeremiah as he records in the words of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. His compassion never ends. Listen to this. This is really good. His compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. My soul claims the Lord as my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him, to those who seek for him. It is good both to hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Oh, man, there is peace there. There is hope there. There is a promise there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. I really do thank you, Jesus. I really thank you for everything you've allowed us to go through. I thank you for every failure in my life because you worked me through it. I thank you for every success in my life because you blessed me with it. I thank you for every failure this church has had and every success, the same thing, because you work us through these failures and you bless us with the successes. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts and our minds and our focus would be truly focused on you as you will lead us to our eternal salvation. Help us, Lord, to forget the past. Help us to unbuckle that ball of frustration and move forward. And this morning, with all eyes closed here this morning, or all eyes opened, I don't really care. If you have a ball unchained that's hooked on your ankle, 
of the past. And if you want freedom from that, would you stand up right where you're at? Would you just stand up and say, I want the past to be the past and I'm tired of carrying it with me and I want to be free from that. I want to be free from anything that would hinder me from my past. Yeah, stand up, be bold. I'm standing up, I've got a past and I want to be free of it. I don't want anything slowing me down. I'm going to pray for you all that are standing up. And then we're going to come up and we're going to sing one more song of worship and then we're going to go home, but we're not going to rush through this. Jesus, I just come to you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you've given us to have. I'm not coming in my own power. This is not my prayer. This is the prayer of the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you to forgive us of our past. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of those things that we have done that we have failed you in. Release us from the bondage there. Jesus, I pray that you would go into the courtroom of heaven right now as our advocate and you look the devil straight in the eye and you tell him that these people are free. And you tell them that they're free from their past. And you tell the devil that he has no more authority in their past. And that he has no authority to bring a remembrance of failure. That he has no authority to bring to them bondage and condemnation. Because we are not bound by our past. We are free from it as we strain toward the future. You have delivered us through the past through your blood. And you have, sh- you have conquered the past. And we no longer have to deal with that. So Jesus, as you tell the devil for our, on our behalf, we receive it in Jesus' name. And we receive freedom here. And we receive a new perspective of what the future holds for us today. And Lord, for those that are here this morning, I pray, Lord, that part of this releasing is called repentance. And if there are things that we need to do to, on our part, that we would do it. That if we need to make amends with a brother or a sister, or if there's some things that you are asking us to do, that we would have the boldness and the strength to get up and do it as part of the process of being freed. That we would make a determination that we're not going to go back there anymore. That we are not going to go back to that habit, to that stronghold. We're not going to play with that temptation of whatever it is. We're not going to allow our minds to dwell on things we shouldn't be thinking about. We're not going to allow our lives to be taken up by a drink or a smoke or whatever it is. A lie, a a gossip, or, or whatever it is. We're not going to get be caught up in that anymore because we are going to be free as we strain to the future and we're going to make the effort necessary to get there and we're going to ask for your power of your Holy Spirit to deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, would you all stand with me? Would you just come up to the front here and let's just sing a song of victory here that Jackie's playing and let's just celebrate that as we get ready to go today.
Now, Father, I declare blessing today. I declare blessing on your people today and your children as we go out of this place today, as we go to our homes and our place of work this week, that this word would be reminded to us throughout the week. And I pray protection. I pray blessing. I pray, God, that you would just anoint your people to be the light in this world and that you will just do a mighty work in their lives this week, that this will be a new week. This will be a great beginning of 2018 and that we will have victory after victory and you will just bless us with your love and your anointing and your pleasure. And I pray this and I pray you protect your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go today.